1: go on. Comprehend the guidelines. My chest out, all on the sidelines. I'm so New York City Yeah. Right? This is Tony Bowie, and I'm standing in uh, for Ray Ellis Sports. Ray is uh, not around, and I've been asked to fill in for him and get ready for my own show. Uh, my show starts on August 6th at 10 in the morning. And so this is a test run for myself, and we'll be talking about a few things today. We'll be talking about uh, the conference realignment, uh, you know, the Pac-10 to the Pac-12 or Pac-16 or whatever it's going to be called. And then we're going to talk about the Big Ten, which is the Big 12, and the Big 12, which is the Big Ten, and, and all that crazy stuff. And then we'll get into uh, the NFL lawsuit and, and uh, a, lo- a looming lockout. Uh, we'll talk about um, uh, you know, some, uh, some social media, um, the, the new thing today, which uh, all these uh, athletes are getting involved in. And we'll talk uh, some specifics about some of these guys and what they're trying to do and the trouble they're causing uh, with the new technology. And then our last segment, we'll get into the World Cup. Uh, we'll get into some NBA action uh, because we know the NBA is, uh, is all about the finals right now. So let's just start off uh, and, and get into this Pac-10 mess. I mean, this is, I, th- I think we're reali- realizing that this is all about business. This isn't about scholarships. This isn't about education. This isn't about anything but the mighty greenback. And, uh, and, and, and eventually you will see uh, super conferences, probably three, maybe four, and you'll see a national championship game uh, in, a playoff, in, in a playoff system. Um, So you're seeing it now. You're going to see the Pac-10. You'll see the the Big Ten or the Big 12 or whatever the heck it's going to be called. You'll see the SEC. Um, They'll all form some type of uh, 10, uh, excuse me, 12 to 16 team conferences. And then you'll see, uh, you know, one or two teams come out of each one of those uh, conferences and play in the national championship playoff. Um, I think it, that's the way the 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 landscape is moving. Um, last year, if we at this time we were we weren't talking about this. We were just talking about bowl games and and uh, a national championship game, and you know people were talking about a plus one game, and and it, it, but all of this didn't matter. All of this wasn't even on the on the Richter scale. And then all of a sudden, you started hearing rumblings about the Pac-10 talking about moving over to. Uh, you know, taking in maybe Colorado and then pulling in on Iowa. And then all of a sudden they had this big, these big grandiose ideas about pulling in uh, a Texas. And a Texas is a huge uh, uh, a, a pull and, and draw for, for television. Um, you're talking about the Pac-10 getting a piece of the Texas market um, and trying to, uh, to bring in a lot of those recruits. Um, and all the television dollars that go with with Texas teams, especially Texas, and and we know now that uh, you know Don Beebe, uh, who actually who was, who was the, uh, the 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 yeah Don Beebe the Big Twelve uh, commissioner and how he pulled a rabbit out of his hat and and uh, and got um, the uh, the Texas team to, to stay. And, and essentially granted them what they wanted to begin with. I mean they wanted to be the kings of the conference, right? They wanted their own television uh deal. They wanted um all this they wanted more money. Um like like I said, it all comes down to dollars. And and, and now that we have a, a a big twelve that has gone to a big ten, um they should just swap logos and, and, and just just say, hey, you know, you guys be the Big Ten, we'll be the big twelve and and uh, and we'll we we'll, we we'll call it a day, so they can just save all the money and just you know just do it with a handshake. Um, you know, I, I have you know I want to get into uh, into my guest, and you know he's he has um, uh, his own background, and, and I'm going to let him get on here and, and talk about what he's what he's done and what he's doing, and then we'll get into uh, uh, you know some of uh, you know some of the things that I was talking about. But my guest today. Is Ronald Mann a PhD? And, morning, uh, morning. Good, good <laughs> to see you. And uh, you know, we're going to talk about a few things that I think he has some expertise in, and in, in, in trying to figure out the the psychology of players and in the high pressure situations. Uh, you know, not only college but but professional athletes put ourselves in. So, welcome Ronald to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh good, good. I, you know, I I see that you've written a book and, and and uh when I see that people write books, I always want to ask, how the heck did you do? You you've written a couple of books. <laughs> I, one is uh, Bouncing Back: How to Recover When Life Knocks You Down, and you've also written The Yoga of Golf. Um, it's, tell me a little about about your books.
2: Well, actually I wrote another book too. The first one was on the LA Times bestseller list called Sacred Healing: Integrating Spirituality with Psychotherapy. Uh the the current one, Bouncing Back, I think it's appropriate for this show because it's based on interviews with world-class athletes. Jim Brown is one of the people I interviewed. Okay. He got some great information from these people. And for me, I write a book when I feel inspired. If I feel like I have something to share that's of value to other people, I don't write it just because they're like, Oh, I want to write a book. And I want to be famous. <laughs> you know, I want people to know who I am. If I feel like there's some value that I can help other people, then I literally feel inspired and it's fun to write. It just kind of pours out. Good. Otherwise, it's work and it's no fun and it's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> well, h- how, long, how long does it typically take to write a book? I mean, when, when, you, when you come up with a, with a concept and say, you know what, I want this book to be centered around this topic or, or to help people in this particular field or, or, or situation, how long does it usually take to, for you to, to, to write your book?
2: The actual writing of it, maybe nine months, doesn't take that long. It might take a, a couple of years because there's promotion involved and there's integration and editing. Like the Bouncing Back book took a, a couple of years. The first one took about nine months. Mm-hmm. This one took longer because it started out as a sports psychology book. I was looking for the magic of peak performance because that's what my professional life is about at this point. I'm trained as a psychologist, but I've kind of morphed into sports. I do sports psychology a lot with golfers. So I'm looking for the, the, the magic stories. Uh, I mean, just a, a snippet is, for example, like Dick Fosbury, mm-hmm. the guy who created the Fosbury flop and, yeah. and high jump. He's in, he's in the book. Okay. He tells me that when he won the gold medal, going over the bar, <sighs> he's thinking, how did I get up here? <laughs> I can't <laughs> jump this high. Something lifted me over the bar, right? Uh-huh. Uh, another story, a guy, and these are kind of watered-down versions here because we don't have all that much time, but there's a guy who was a uh, a good golfer. His dad was a scratch golfer, and as a kid he would never play with his dad. So, And his dad died when he was a teenager. Then he felt bad, so he took up the game and he had this genetic predisposition, starts playing golf, shooting in the 60s without much trouble, which, as you know, is good. Oh, yeah. And he's in a tournament. His dad's already passed on. He's not doing very well. He looks up. Uh, and says, you know, I thought you had more pull up there than this. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he said, my body got real light. I felt this tingling in my si- spine, mm-hmm. and I birdied the next seven holes in a row. Something magical happened. Right. So I was very curious about being able to elicit that, partly because of my background in, in complementary healthcare and meditation, yoga, healing. I mean, I've seen a lot of miracle things happen in the healthcare world. So I thought, I know those things happen. Let's look at sports and see. Where they're coming out. So, so th- to, to to expand on that point,
1: as a uh, collegiate uh, athlete, student athlete, um, these kids come out of high school. Obviously, some um, they come from varied backgrounds, but they perform in at, at college athletics at, at a young age, and then they, you know, they begin to grow and mature, and all these these skills need to be honed. And are honed in high-pressure situations. Is it your um, is it your thought process that as these kids grow and perform in these situations, whether it's on national television or in high-pressure uh, uh, points in a game, um, that it's the that this situation, as far as the NCAA, um, is responsible to, to some degree in forming these kids in um, you know, their formative years, and do they have a, some type of responsibility um, to make sure that they're placed in the best environments um, so that they, they don't fail? Um, and and w- I'm getting this at this because there's a lawsuit with Ed O'Bannon, and Ed O'Bannon is a former basketball player, and he filed a lawsuit specifically say, stating that, they, that the, the university was using his name and likeness without his uh, consent. Um, so now he 's essentially saying that you know I should be compensated because i 've given something to the university, and now you 're taking advantage of me because now you 're making money off my name license likenesses whether it 's in sport uh you know video games or or um or posters or whatever and uh i 'm wondering does the does the university have a responsibility to make sure that the the while the student is there that they are um that they're 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 finding the be- they're putting in the best situations to mature student athletes.
2: Well, you're asking two very good questions. One is a legal contract question, uh, which is outside of my scope because I'm a psychologist, not an attorney. <laughs> about you know the university's right to use uh, images, films, you know, whatever to promote the university based on some great success of an athlete. Uh, I don't know about that. I have my own thoughts about it, but they're not, you know, well-educated legal ones, so who knows, you know, in terms of what the legal issue is. But the other question is enormous. Does a university or any kind of professional organization have more of a moral, ethical responsibility to help create an environment that is uh, conducive mm-hmm. to personal development, yeah, growth? Yeah. You know, uh, I say Yes. You know, in in any situation, especially in college, because you've got kids in their formative stages still, they're not fully grown adults out in the world. They're yeah. getting an education. Yeah, I agree. And part of the, the gap, I think, in our culture is that the educational process doesn't include emotional intelligence in a sense. You know, the emotional mm-hmm. education of how do you become a high-functioning, productive human being? And whether that's in the business world or whatever, I used to go into large corporations like eBay or Littler-Mendelson or Winstar and do corporate culture change. And part of that was really about human development training to help people grow up. I teach at the Golf Academy of America. Uh, These are potential people who are going to be out there in the golf world. A lot of my job is to help these kids get more mature so they can function at, at their best. And I think if you look at some of the great coaches, that's what they did. Wouldn't taught people how to be great human beings. This is Tony Bowie. We'll be right back. I'm sitting in for Ray Ellis. 2.8
3: on the Voice America Sports Network.
5: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. But you know what they say, Kaye Slow
1: motion better than no motion. I walked in the crib, got two kids and my baby mama laid uh oh Oh, yeah, it's Tony Bowie sitting in for Ray Ellis. And uh, my guest is Ron Mann, Ph.D., who's written a book that's going to be coming out uh, called Bouncing Back, How to Recover When Life Knocks You Down. And, uh, And Ron, let, let, let's get into um, the psychology of, of athletics because um, we all know that it's a high-pressure uh, atmosphere. Um, do you think that every team slash university, whether professional or college, should have a a certified psychologist on staff to make sure that they can can deal with a lot of the issues that uh, players deal with. Let's talk in particular about professional athletics. Now, I sit on the board for the National Football League Players Association. There's nine of us um, that are elected by former players. And this is a, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, some of the issues that former players have and current players, um, you know, dealing with a lot of the money that you get as soon as you come into the NFL, um, which is relative, you know, because you can make, you know, $300,000, the next guy's making $13 million, so it's relative. Um, but it's more money than the average person. And the ability for you to go out and, and uh, do things um, that, the normal person can't, I think you need some guidance and, and maybe some, uh, you know, some teaching or, or uh, instruction from a psychologist on being able to handle these things. What are, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, I think so. I think the, the danger uh, often is the case is that these young men come into a lot of wealth. They have great talent. But because of all the money and newfound power, fame, recognition, they're out of control. Uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll—you yeah. know—are are, are not a pathway to peak performance and having uh, a great life. And so, if you start indulging yourself and going, "Hey, this is great! I can do whatever I want," you know, I, unfortunately, you know, we, we see the, uh, the the pitfalls of too much power and too much money with Tiger Woods. Here's somebody who, you know, he'll recover. I mean, he's a great athlete, he's a great person. He's yeah. working on himself. He'll mm-hmm. he'll bounce back. But without the the proper preparation and training, uh, it's like a spiritual path in a way. It's that if you get off the path and you don't follow, you know, values, your core values, and lead a, a life that has integrity, uh, you can get so misdirected. There's so many opportunities to fall off yeah, yeah. Uh, he, in he, this he, world. He
1: mentioned himself that he w- he had not been following his his uh, Buddhist, Buddhist path. Uh, uh, teachings, and and that was one of the things that. Uh, at least the way it, it was portrayed, that that le- that was able to l- lead him astray, that he was able to follow his own intuitions, uh, his own uh, you know sinful nature, and not follow his, his you know his religious traditions, and, and lead him, led him down a path where he was cheating on his wife and and lying and and wasn't the person that everyone else in the world thought he was.
2: Exactly. Um,
1: so so you're right. I mean, a a s- psychologist might be able to. Um, deal with that before all of that happens.
2: Well, a special kind. I mean, just a normal clinical psychologist. I wouldn't say every team should have a clinical psychologist because their training may not be broad enough okay. to uh, embrace sports and kind of a higher level uh, of awareness. But there are some enlightened professional uh, psychologists around who understand human development, spiritual realization, and sports. And that is the ideal person for these programs because it gives the people an opportunity to really grow and mature as, as a human being. That will help impact their life in every way, family, business, home, sports, wherever you go. They'll benefit from that. Okay.
1: Well, let's, let, let's, let's transition. Let's transition this into, uh, into something that's near and dear to my heart, which is the looming NFL lockout. And uh, you know, like I like I told the listeners just now, I, I I sit on the board for the National Football League Players Association, and we are in a a uh, you know a, a heated discussion back and forth with the NFL owners and Roger Goodell about um, about how to renegotiate this contract to make sure that there is a football uh, coming this coming 2011 season. And it seems to me, just like college football, that this is all about money. This is all about, uh, you know, each side trying to position ourselves in a way that, uh, that doesn't, one, uh, hurt the game, but also provides the best, uh, the best interest uh, for our constituents, whether it's the owners on their side or whether it's current inactive active players, uh, current, or current or former players on our side. Um, we just filed a lawsuit. Uh, you, you, you don't know this, but we just filed a lawsuit with the NFL Players Association against the National Football League. Um, and what happened was, in 2006, the owners, we, we signed an extension to our collective bargaining agreement, CBA. And in two th- in a year, a year and a half later, the owners opted out of that contract, basically saying, you know what, this isn't good. We're not making money. Uh, we're going to back off, and, and, uh, and, and we want to opt out of this contract. We're going to tear it up and throw it in the trash can. And as players, we said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This, this is a good deal. What are you talking about? You know, we just agreed to this not long ago." And the owner said, "Well, it's not good enough. Um, we're not making any money, um, and you, you know, take our word for it." So we said, "You know what? We, uh, we have a vested interest in making sure the game goes goes forward, and and let let's open the books and let us uh, let the players' side see what you're making, and then if we if if it's not a viable business." Then we'll renegotiate, and we'll come to some agreement that keeps the game, this beautiful game, going. And the owners have continually said no. Uh, just take our word for it. Now, every team is 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 private. The only public uh, team is the is the uh, Green Bay Packers. And last year, in a losing season, in a uh, a down year without Brett Favre. Uh, n- I believe no playoffs. Uh, do they? Play- I'm not sure if they went to the playoffs or not. But but they made 21 million dollars. And so we're thinking if the owners, uh, if the Green Bay Packers made 21 million dollars in a small market, a down season, no bread far then what did the Dallas Cowboys make? in the in in the Washington Redskins and the New York Giants, what did they make? And uh, and the best estimate that we have is from the uh, is from Forbes. And Forbes estimates that every team made approximately fifty two million dollars um, so in our mind that that doesn't sound like a, a, a bad deal um, so we're still in that that negotiating phase where we're trying to get the owners to open the books they say no um, they they've made a couple of steps in the past that we believe has uh that has prepared them for for locking players out and remember this is not a strike this is a lockout. this is the owner saying. We're going to lock the doors, and you can't come in. It's not players saying we're not going to work because we want to go to work. Uh, let's just get that straight. And uh, the, the, the other portion is the steps that they've taken. What, what have they taken in order to prepare themselves for a lockout? One, they obviously they opted out of the agreement. Two, they hired the same attor- attorney, I think um, the guy's my name, Bertelson, I believe, um, who orchestrated the NHL lockout? They renegotiated TV contract. So uh, they renegotiated the their TV contract in a way that guarantees them money five billion dollars, whether games are played or not. It's not a bad deal.
2: That's a pretty good deal. Uh,
1: they pay me if I'm sleeping. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> <I> like that. <laughs> <laughs> they they have uh, renegotiated contracts for uh, for for assistant coaches and coaches um i believe in particular assistant coaches uh in the eventuality that there is a lockout so they they they've set the stage for them to say you know what We're, we don't want to play uh stay away guys and the fact that they're going that the most prominent piece I, I believe in what we believe is lockout insurance is the, that they're going to get money no matter what i mean what what business would uh that you can think of will get revenues whether they sell something or not uh, you know, whether you sell, it, um, you know, cars, I'm still going to get the money, the revenue for the car sales. Whether you, uh, you know, sell widgets, you're still going to get the money whether the widgets stay in your inventory or not. Um, this is, it's unheard of. And so what we've done in the past week is we filed a lawsuit asking the, the federal courts to make sure that the owners, when they get this money from, from the TV contracts, that they put it in escrow. That they don't allow anyone to touch it until after a uh, CBA uh, is renegotiated. This puts pressure on the owners because they won't be able to draw that money and cover their current expenses. Um, they'll have to find it somewhere else, whether it's in their other businesses or whether um, whether they start, you know, trying to uh, you know get rid of their expenses, whether it's personnel or uh, or just turn the lights out. But because when there's a lockout, um, they are not obligated to pay any money into the pension funds. They uh, they obviously don't have to pay any royalty for anything. They they you know they 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 save a lot of money when there's no games played. And if I can, you know, divide up five billion dollars amongst 32 teams, um, and and say here, you know, just wait wait the players out. I mean that's a huge incentive for 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 owners to uh to to not play and uh and as as players we've decided you know what let's uh let's uh let's preempt this so we filed a lawsuit to to make sure that that uh that money stays in escrow and they find their money somewhere else um you know there there are a lot of um a lot of issues uh now that there is no uh cba this year because it's uh, it's an uncapped year because uh um, if by March first, this past March first, we hadn't agreed to a contract, then it became an uncapped year, and uh, and th- there are a lot of issues that that current players have to deal with. So they had to save a lot of money because they they quite possibly might not be getting paychecks in this coming uh, next season. They uh, they they have um, they have to make sure that uh, that they've set a, like I said, set up money aside. And they're, you know, uh, we have continually tried to get these guys to to understand that you may not have any money. Um, And hopefully most of them have taken heed to that that message. So um, uh, let me see. What else do we have here? Oh, looks like we've got a break coming, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere. Come right back. I got Ron here, the PhD. He's writing books. Getting the looks, doing everything to make a dollar. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll be all right. This is Tony Bowie for Ray Ellis.
3: The opening pick off is a beauty.
1: Together in conversations that make a difference, right here on the Voice America Business Channel, every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time.
5: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice of America Sports. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, welcome back. It's Tony Bowie sitting in for Ray Ellis on Ray Ellis Sports. I'm sitting here with Ron Mann, and we're talking about uh, the the sports psychology and and how the mindset of athletes is really important. Um, you know, we we, we last we, we left the last segment really talking about uh, uh, you know preparing guys for uh, for an eventuality of, of not having football. Um, And and from your background, how important is it to to make sure that guys maintain a sense of focus? You know, and uh, I've spoken to Ray and and Ray brought this very particular point about, you know, even on home games, uh, football players stay in a hotel. And that's really to sequester them from family and friends and going out the night before a game and partying and. And getting into trouble, like we know, there's there's always trouble. I mean, Coach Tony Dungy, who I played for, always said there's nothing good that happens after midnight. So go home. <laughs> so, uh, so how important is it to, um, you know, force for athletes to really maintain a sense of focus?
2: Well, focus is huge. I mean, there's a saying: environment is stronger than willpower, right? Mm. And so, for example, you know, getting an individual or a team sequestered in a hotel or some kind of training camp uh, gets rid of all those external dis- distractions. Um, people who are married, everybody knows sometimes marriage isn't easy. You have uh, upsets. You know, you don't want to have a fight with your wife the night before uh, the game. You don't want to have problems with your kids. Uh, you don't want to certainly be out drinking and carousing the, the night yeah. before a, an event. <laughs> all right. So if, one, you get rid of your environmental distractions Right before you play. It certainly helps you bring all of your resources together. But there's also internal distractions. Mm -hmm. You you might not have something going on around you. But let's say with this uh, impending uh, lockout going on, if people are worried about their job and thinking, God, I might not even be able to have a job. I might not be be, be playing uh, next year, next month, whatever. I won't have any money. Well, that's inside their head. That's a huge distraction. And if they're thinking they're getting taken advantage of by the organization or the owners, now they're mad, right? So you want people to to play their best, right? You want people to go out and give 110% because they believe in the organization, they believe in the people, and they want to do that because there's this kind of love thing going on with everybody where they're working together and want to make this happen. If they're mad because they feel like they're getting ripped off and taken advantage of, that's got to come out in, in their performance. So, you know, golf, football, baseball, basketball, you know, doesn't matter whatever sport you're doing. If you don't have the capacity when it comes time to really produce and do whatever it is you're doing to bring 100% of your focus to that moment, uh you're going to play at a disadvantage and the person who's got that focus is going to win.
1: Is it, you know, that, that you bring up a, a really interesting point. And I was watching the the NBA finals and you know, you see these guys are hustling. They're diving for balls. They're, you know, they're they're punching. You know, not punching each other, I but know. elbowing each other and, and trying to get away with things uh, below the net. And then, you know, they may get called for foul. And then they get to go to the free throw, free throw line and make free throws. Um, I see a lot of guys that that actively do something, whether it's in their mind or or a deep breath, one or two. Spin the ball a certain way. Look, they had looks like they have a routine. Um, are, are there some things that you coach, uh, you know, maybe golfers on in trying to get in that moment and relaxed as they uh, prepare for a big
2: shot? Well, absolutely. And I, in the the last week's uh, PGA event, is a good example. I forget the guy's name, but you know he was coming in. You may remember he was the last hole he'd played all week. He was winning the last hole. All he needed was a double bogey to win. And he triple bogeyed the hole. Oh. I mean, it was the epitome of a sports psychology class watching you know, this 10-minute little meltdown <laughs> where uh, he was overwhelmed uh, internally. And so the, the focus got lost. And so like basketball it's a great example. You're at a free throw line. It's different than when you're running around the court and you're reacting. Things are happening. Golf, free throw, you're there with yourself. All you have is your internal life. And I do teach people there's actually a breathing technique, which I'll share now. I usually give it to the people I work with, that comes from yoga practice. Okay. Breath is what controls the life force energy of the body. Breath controls consciousness. And there's various ways to breathe. The simplest, best way that, to breathe is through your diaphragm, so the muscles you know, in your rib cage. Mm-hmm. Most people, upper chest breathing, not so good. right? But there's something well beyond that, is that if you breathe through your mouth, This is while you're in some activity. I'm not going to breathe on the the mic. (laughs) It might
1: be distracting.
2: (laughs) You breathe through your mouth, and you inhale, and you imagine that the breath is in the base of your spine. And as you inhale, it comes up your spine all the way to your forehead. And when you exhale, this energy goes back down your spine. What that does is because it's internalizing your awareness inside your body, mm-hmm. inside your spine, okay. it changes the life force energy, and in fact, it activates the right hemisphere of the brain, which is more creative, it's more visual, it's more kinesthetic, which you need when you're playing an activity. You don't want to be thinking when you're doing something. You want to have some ingrained cellular memory where you have the feel and the sensation and your mind is quiet. This breathing technique... In one or two breaths, as you practice it more and more, it can change just like that, activity in the brain, and get you more focused and quiet things down. So for golf, it's great for free throws. I think it'd be fabulous Yeah. because yeah. you got all that distraction—people waving towels, yeah, and behind spraying. the net jumping
1: up and down. You got Danny Ainge throwing a towel yeah. in the air behind the net. Yeah, you got in trouble for that one. Um, you're right. I, you know, I remember playing um, in in college and in the, in the NFL and being in pressure pack situations where they was third and long or or uh you know they the offense came out in a formation I immediately recognized it knowing the play that that's uh, going to come and and taking deep breaths and just mentally trying to relax myself so I'm not tense my you know it, my muscle reaction isn't tense so I can be uh, free and and going about uh, what I what I knew what was coming
2: right you know um, Tony there's also some self hypnosis techniques that you can Learn Because self hypnosis is kind of a, uh, a speeded pathway to your subconscious and to your physiology that you can learn to put yourself in a relaxed state of mind on cue as you practice this. So when you're in a high tense situation like that, all you have to do is say a word to yourself or something because you've programmed yourself that that word or touching your fingers together or something will immediately uh, get you into a certain kind of state that you've trained for
1: okay okay are are these things that you would uh, uh practice on on a daily basis um,
2: sure so yeah. That, yeah okay yeah the more you practice the better you get at them it's like a muscle anything you know you, you develop a skill for it and if you practice when you need it it's there if you think oh I know what these are i'll I'll use it when the time comes it's too late you know, yeah. you need to prepare
1: yeah well we we need to uh we need to have you uh you know train some of our professional athletes that are involved in this social media before they start tweeting or or <laughs> or, or, or putting themselves on you stream in the in a shower like darnell docket did yeah that was crazy i mean we <laughs> we we have uh you know too much technology at times where guys uh want want to give everybody access to what they're doing and uh you know we, we we've got to find a way to to uh you know to have these guys either mentored or trained or or, uh, you know, getting some relaxation techniques before they go off and do things that I think are outside of what a what a normal person would do.
2: Would well, be in Tony, situation. you're right. In in my book, just to get back to that for a second, you know, that one of the chapters is on emotional intelligence, and it's about the emotional maturity that somebody brings to life and their own mastery of their self. If you're out of control and your emotions take over, uh, you're going to melt down. John Daly and uh Golf is, is, is a good example of an unfortunate situation. Mm-hmm. When he was really struggling well, he had a great talent that he couldn't manifest, right? Yeah, uh, in yeah. boxing, you see it, people who are out of control, even though they've got great talent and they do things in the ring or outside of the ring that end up causing them a lot of problems. You know, life is about being an effective, competent human being, whether you're playing sports or not. So your level of maturity will be there with you wherever you go.
1: I think it sounds like you know a lot of things you're you're, you're writing in your book are, are not just obviously for sports, uh, uh, you know, athletes or per, uh, personnel, but for normal people who are who are struggling in life, whether it's in their job or their family, um, that can 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 read your book and 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 it, you know incorporate some of the things you're talking about in trying to be a, a better person, living a living a more Accomplish life and calm life.
2: Well, I think so. It's in the book. I really talk about eight fundamental key principles f- for life, and the bouncing back is really about preparing for and learning how to recover from life's greatest challenges. Whether they're on the, on the field or in the boardroom, they're they're in life. You have divorce, you have serious illness, somebody dies. I mm-hmm. mean, these are all the challenges that we're all dealing oh, with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And and you know, the economy today is is rough, and I think. <laughs> You know, the, the uh, everybody needs some sense of uh, um, uh, of guidance. I think to you know to to try to um, make sense of it all. You know?
2: It sure helps. It's tough if we think we can do it on our own. There's good people and good information around, and coachability, which is, by the way, one of the eight fundamental mm. principles that if you're open to coaching. You've got a much greater chance of having an effective life than if you say, oh, I know everything. I don't need anybody's help. I'm going to do it all by myself. Uh, you're really wasting the opportunity to learn from other people who can help you go to another level. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I, uh, I pray a lot. I mean, that's that's kind of one of the things I do to read the Bible to try to, you know, uh, get back to some sense of uh, calmness and reality and dealing with life's pressures well, Tony, I'm
2: glad you brought that up because that's one of the fundamental principles about spirituality. It's mm. one of the key things. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in, in prayer and God's grace and the ability to unite with those forces because it makes us stronger, it makes us wiser, and it keeps that connection to ourself. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll be back. Don't forget, don't leave. Keep the dial there. I'll be right back. This is Tony Boyd for Ray Ellis here with ron man phd we'll be right back
5: the fans now have a voice to speak their mind no holds barred
3: I Get just ready. think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
5: NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up, speak up, or forever hold your mouth.
3: We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Voice America Sports Network.
5: To the pros, we, we, cover we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
3: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Rihanna. Uh-huh. Good girl going bad. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Take three. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No clouds in my the clouds come, we go. We rock a fella.
1: Yeah. A you know, Welcome back once again. It's Tony Bowie in with Ron mann and uh, we're on the Ray Ellis Sports Show on the Voice America Network. Um, we're, we're talking about uh, you know, psychology in sports and, and how uh, athletes can, can uh, use exercises and practices that can relax them in high-pressure situations. And, and, and like Ron said, this, this isn't just for, um, you know, for athletes, but this is for, for people in every walk of life um, trying to live a better life. Um, You you, you can connect with with Ron at Facebook.com backslash. Forward slash. Forward slash. Go ahead.
2: Bouncing back. Bouncing back. It's a fan page just for the book, and there's a lot of information there. We're also about to roll out a whole uh, process here where people can submit their personal stories for how they've bounced back from difficult situations and have friends comment in the Stories that get the the most votes, so to speak, are going to be in the next book. So we're looking to really bring in everybody's stories about how they bounced back. Good, good.
1: The um, let's let's talk about the NBA. Now, obviously, it's the finals going on. It's it's game six tonight in LA, and Kobe has something on the line that I think is greater than everyone else in this series. He is it has has been and will continue to be mentioned as one of the greatest players in. the nba whether you know and not not just lakers but the nba itself but that will be be determined by his entire body of work michael jordan won six championships uh kobe has four now this will be his his fifth if he's able to pull this one out so his pressure uh that he's put on himself most probably and everyone else obviously thinks that you know um if he wins this he's he's even one step closer um, and then his, his teammates um, have a different uh, set of pressures because they know the the history that could be made if the Lakers win this, this series and win another title. Um, talk about some of the pressures that these guys are dealing with, not just Kobe uh, himself, but his, his teammates in trying to do their best and maybe even trying too hard. Um, Well,
2: Tony, you bring up a a huge issue in sports psychology and it's expectations. Yeah. All right. So what what you're highlighting in detail is the expectations that could be their downfall if they allow themselves to get caught in that. The expectation is, you know, I should win this. I should be the greatest player of all time, the team. We should help Kobe. You know, Kobe said, I got to win. You know, if you look at what got them there, it wasn't about, you know, I should be this way or I have to do that it's about a process mm-hmm. right in any sport we're talking about the zone really how do you get in the zone well it isn't about trying to do something it's about getting yourself out of the way so your own natural talent can emerge so if they go back to the basics, which is they care about each other, they love the game, uh, they know they're highly competent, they're going to work together effectively as a team, um, their hearts are open, they're so motivated to do 100% of their best, they have the best, best chance to win that way. Yeah. And if they're thinking, oh, my God, I've got to win because my life, you know, this and that, they're going to be so intellectually and emotionally constricted and caught up, they won't be able to play.
1: Yeah, some of these guys, you know, this may be their last shot in, in, in trying to win a ring. Um, and then Kobe, obviously, like we talked about, uh, you know, feels like if he's going to be the mantle holder for the NBA in, in all of his history, he has to get to six. He has to.
2: Right, right. But the question is, how do you get there? You know, it's, it's, you can't force that. Right. Especially, he, he can't do it on his own, certainly. He's mm-hmm. a part of a team. It's not like he's an individual sport. He's in a team sport. So that team has to work together extremely well, and he has to play his best along with the team. But if he goes out there and just says, well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and forget the team, and I'm not going to pass the ball, and I'm not going to do this, probably they're not going to do as well as they can. And that's the challenge when there's such pressure to be great, that if you get caught up in thinking about the outcome, it takes you out of the moment and out of the process that got you there in the first place.
1: Yeah. You, do Do you think there's there's a you know uh, a place for coaches to try to alleviate some of that pressure? Like we we saw um, uh, Doc Rivers talk about uh, this group of guys has never lost a series, the championship series. Uh, we saw Phil Jackson the other night. Uh, the media caught him on on tape stating that the Celtics have lost more games in the fourth quarter than any other team in the NBA that this year. Um, so you, you see coaches have tried to alleviate some of that pressure or or, uh, or give his players something to to rally around. Um, and, you know, t- talk about how the coaches uh, are a part of this process.
2: Well, the coach is huge because they orchestrate what goes on with the team and, and their influence is tremendous. So to motivate your team is certainly part of your job as a coach. And whatever works for that team, if you can help them build confidence, if you point out the facts that this team has lost more playoffs than ever before, that certainly helps you feel more confident thinking, yeah, I mean, they've lost a lot. You know, we're good. We don't have to worry that somehow we're the underdog. You know, it's like if we go out and we play our best, you know, there's a great opportunity for us to win. But Phil Jackson also has that Zen approach to to life and to sports, so I'm sure he's also doing the other things to help people uh, get clear of all that mental garbage. Because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, when you're out on the court, it becomes mental garbage. If you're thinking about the ring and you're not in the moment... Uh, tuned into yourself, you're not going to be in the zone, and you're not going to be making three point shots, and you're not going to be making the right passes and be in the right spot at the right time. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, Ron, Ron, we we've had a great time, and we're getting ready to close in about three minutes. Um, give people about you know one minute synopsis on on your book where they can find it, how they can connect with
2: you. Well, thank you. The the book is coming out July 1st uh, in all major bookstores. Uh, It's online now at uh, Amazon.com and any place you want to buy a book. It's called Bouncing Back, How to Recover from When Life Knocks You Down. Uh, They can find more about me on my website, which is ronman.com, or go to the Bouncing Back fan page, which has lots of information, which is facebook.com forward slash bouncing back. Or uh, they can email me, too, if you want. My last name, Man M-A-N-N-R, at ronman.com, And I'm available for individuals uh, and teams, whether it's life or sports, golf or whatever, to, to help people be their best and to rise to the challenge for life's greatest difficulties. Uh,
1: thanks, Ron. You know, it, it, it's, it's a pleasure having you here. Um, I want to thank Voice America uh, Network and Ray Ellis and everybody here for giving the opportunity to come on the show and, and, uh, and have the opportunity to do my own show starting August 6th at 10 o'clock. So make sure that as we get closer uh, that you uh, check in, listen to my show as well. We're, we're still uh, trying to figure out a name of the show. So if you want to uh, send uh, some suggestions, go ahead and send that to uh, campaign at com. Um, I'm running, for, actually running for public office here in the state of Arizona. I'm running for the state senate in uh, District uh, Four, which is the northwest part of the valley, on the Republican ticket. And uh, you know, we're trying to make history. So, if you want to learn more about um, my political aspirations, go to Um Once again, Ray, I love you, Ray. Come back and listen to the Ray Ellis Sports next week.
3: Peace We rock the fellas through high and weather and she proud to better you know man
4: anticipation for the city for take you stack trip to the rainy day Rain man is back with little miss
5: sunshine